Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Now, sometimes I talk about films, sometimes I talk about music, you know, because without music, you don't have film or the dog barking. Yeah, I leave it all in. I leave it all in. It's been an interesting time doing this show. I think it's March 18th is my third anniversary. And last year during the quarantine, I did like, oh my God, 10 episodes in one day. Short episodes though, not long. You know, when I first started this show, I did a three minute show and then I kept doing them because I didn't know that, you know, you could extend the time limit. And I had intended for years to do a podcast. In 2012, I tried to do one about Downtown Abbey and... You know, it just wasn't the right time. Everything has its time. So tonight, I promise you, a fun show. Last night's show was fun. It was amazing. It was eye-opening. It was eye-opening, and I'm very grateful for having um, my guest, George, on the show last night. Such an amazing individual. He is the one who recommended I watch The Devils, and, you know... Some people will be recommended to film and go, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. Yeah, they're not going to watch it. And then I'm like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll watch it if that's what you want me to watch. Um, I will probably be watching it again coming soon. So, you know, this is the month of March I first started. Now I sound like Barbara Walters. <laughs> I wanted to do a show about women with different personalities. It's called The View. Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. See how I almost. Yeah. So last week we lost the great Lawrence Ferlinghetti. There are a couple of films on the beats. There is a really good film that I have. I'd seen it years ago on Ovation TV. And it came out in 1999, I think. And it's called The Source. And it's about the beat poets. Burroughs, Kerouac, Ferlinghetti. It was directed by Chuck Workman. Screenplay by Chuck Workman. Yeah. Dennis Hopper does William S. Burroughs reading his stuff. Johnny Depp, Jack Kerouac. I'm trying to think who else. It's such a it's such a good documentary. I really loved it. You know, John Turturro uh, is doing uh huh Ginsburg stuff. Yeah, yeah, gotta love it. This documentary opened my eyes, just like The Devils opened my eyes. There are certain films, documentaries, uh, you know, like with uh. Grey Gardens that opened my eyes. I love documentaries. I still haven't I still haven't watched it might get loud. I want to. There are so many films and documentaries that I want to watch. And you know, some people would say, Well, who has the time? Well I have the time. Now the source, I love poetry. I love poetry. I started writing it when I was fifteen. I'm not gonna recite it on here. Now, when I say the source, some people are going to think, I mean, the source awards. No. And I'm aware of the source awards. Okay. Mm. Oh, here's some of Johnny Depp reading Jack Kerouac. Belief and technique for modern prose by Jack Kerouac. List of essentials. One, 
scribbled secret notebooks and wild typewritten pages for your own joy. Two, submissive to everything, open, listening. Three, try and never get drunk outside your own house. Four, be in love with your life. Five, something that you feel will find its own form. Six, be crazy dumb saint of the mind. Seven, blow as deep as you want to blow. Eight, write what you want, bottomless, from bottom of the mind. Nine, the unspeakable visions of the individual. Dean was in a trance. The tenorman's eyes were fixed straight on him. He had a madman who not only understood, but cared and wanted to understand more, and much more than there was. The tenorman wore a tattered suede jacket, purple shirt, cracked shoes, and suit pants without press. And that's Johnny, and Johnny can go on all night. Let's get real here. I like Johnny, but no. Uh... Mm, there's so many parts to the beats, you know, and the music that inspired it. It is such a such a documentary, though. Here's Gregory Corso. Dear audience, we early heads of present style and consciousness are the daddies of the age. The beats and standing up got left at by the civilization. All the academic, you don't know how much hatred was for these guys and sneers and teachers would snicker. Please, you may as well open. The moment the beard first opened in Los Angeles, every night city vice squad detectives arrested the cast and the producer. Now, when are we going to get controversial again, Alan? It's all getting too uh, sedate, don't you think so? <laughs> how many incidents have you been busted? I mean, we're in trouble here. I was busted just three weeks ago. Of course, of course. There you movements for 200. Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, and Lawrence Ferlinghetti were part of this group of writers. Jeopardy, TV program. Oh. Burroughs, Kerouac, and Ginsey are accepted in the literary On the contrary, the point is, those three were the big ones. And if anybody afterwards... Oh, yeah. is, well, that's all right with me. Yeah. But it ain't all right with me because they were the only way to place me. I had my book published before his. <laughs> you seem very bitter and... Bitter? Poetry what? and your work is so joyful. I wanted to play that because uh, Gregory Corso, that Jeopardy question, whenever you were Jeopardy question, and he was not happy that he was not included, and I, and I, Post that purposely because of Ferlinghetti, whom just died last week, and he didn't even consider himself a beat, and yet he is. Con- see, see how things are kind of warped in that situation. I have right before me a Coney Island of the Mind poems by Lawrence Ferlinghetti, who is also in the Last Waltz, directed by Martin Scorsese. It is the the last hurrah of the band. You know, the band that played backing to Bob Dylan during that electric period. You know, 
Oh my goodness, Highway 61. Oh, they wanted him. They when Bob Dylan went electric, motherfuckers wanted him. Oh, they and you know the musicians were like, uh, do we really want to jump on this train? But you know when Bob is steering it, you know, come on, you, you're gonna make it. You're gonna make it in a little different way. Right here, I have selected po- San Francisco poems, Lawrence Ferlinghetti. One of these nights, I'm just going to do a whole... I'm going to read all of his stuff. Uh, here, here's a portion of it. The Green Street Mortuary Marching Band marches right down Green Street and turns into Columbus Avenue. Where all the cafe sitters at the sidewalk cafe tables sit talking and laughing and looking right through it. As it happened every day in little old wooden North Beach, San Francisco. But at the same time, feeling thrilled by the stirring sound of the gallant marching band as if we're celebrating life and never heard of death. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to really celebrate death, you go to New Orleans. Yeah. Everyone, you know, you get it's it's Fiesta. It's Fiesta times 10. You know, this show. Uh, in terms of direction, the reason why I chose films is I was just getting tired of, you know, talking about personal stuff and talking about Seinfeld. Well, not Seinfeld. I mean, politics. Oh, see how it kind of creeps into my head. I like Seinfeld, though. I, I grew up in the 90s watching it. But the beats, the poets, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're part of society. Look at William Burroughs was in, was it a Nike ad? I think it was a Nike ad. Uh, and then was in a YouTube video right before he died. William Burroughs, William S. Burroughs. Oh my goodness. What, what a character had a loaded shotgun and, you know, Al Jorgensen of ministry loved William Burroughs. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. William Burroughs was out there, you know. Um, I wouldn't even call him provocative because to to call someone along the lines of William Burroughs, William S. Burroughs provocative, here we go. Hey, I'm talking to you. The purpose of technology is not to confuse the brain, but to serve the body. Make life easier to make anything, anything possible. It's the opening of the door. It's the coming of the new technology. Holy cow. Serve the body. New and weird. What we have done is square the air. of technology is not to confuse the brain, but to serve the body. And that is William S. Burroughs and Air Max Nike ad. I'd, I'm wondering, did they give him some Nikes? That's what I'd like to know. But the source, the source talks all about that. Talks about Naked Lunch. You know, it talks about Okay, everyone parroting the beats. Here's here's uh, Allen Ginsberg. To ourselves. Are they lovers? 
we felt very close to each other just intuitively but uh, you know without any overt sexual thing except that i was in love with him i had a crush on him i had a crush on everybody they found african-american culture fascinating they related to weird people like william burroughs jack and i went out to investigate your uh, soul Oh, they've inhaled it all right. And I want to uh, add a little something, you know, in college, right before I graduated, I got, I had to do something on Ginsburg, I think it was, for one of my late professors. He's, both of them are gone, in fact. And it was my other professor, who was also my boss, because I worked in the library. His name was Dr. Perkner, and he was from Czechoslovakia. Oh, yeah. He, I, he told me he knew Allen Ginsberg. And he, this is, this is the interesting thing. He was very liberal when he wanted to be. And when I, and then I asked more about Ginsburg and he says, oh, I liked him. I liked him until one day I saw him kissing his boyfriend. They both had beards. I thought that was nasty. Okay. And Allen Ginsberg talked about that, how he got kicked out of Czechoslovakia on May Day with, with his boyfriend. Yeah. So the beats. <laughs> this is a fascinating time. And I want to give you. Uh, respect to Dr. Perkner wherever he is. My goodness. Uh, you know who always reminded me of him was the director Milos Forman. They were both from Czechoslovakia. Very interesting minds. You know, this is a movie podcast, and Dr. Perkner and I would talk a lot about films. He studied film, and he said to me when he first saw Pulp Fiction. He said, there is a reason why I like Pulp Fiction. And I said, why? Nobody was talking like that. And he had a good point right there. At that time in 1994, that dialogue, that screenplay, nobody was talking like that in film. The way Tarantino was weaving things together and editing things together. And for my professor, who was very conservative in some aspects and very liberal in some aspects, to be very fascinated with Pulp Fiction because of the language. He loved language. He loved how people communicated. You know, and um, we would have discussions about that. Although I will say the one, you know, here we are talking about the Beats and the Beats were all friends with Bob Dylan. Okay, my my professor did not like Bob Dylan. He said he didn't get it. He said to me one time, he says that is something about your country that I do not understand, Bob Dylan. And I said, well, you know, Bob Dylan is a troubadour. He is our American poet. And and at the same time, I kind of got it because you know, Bob Dylan, people either like him or people either hate him. Okay. There is something mystical and magical about Bob Dylan. 
you know, first of all, Bob Dylan, you know, what's funny is, is that he does play the press because they played him early on or they thought they tried to. But Bob, you know, I mean, you think of some of those lyrics and then you think of the times that he's been awarded, you know, it's it, and how he's he's kind of like put off by it, you know, and then people try to overanalyze, uh, you know, he had a motorcycle accident in the 1960s and they say that that changed him forever. But then if you watch interviews with him, like Scorsese did two documentaries on him and I'm thinking, wait a minute, there's nothing wrong with him. He's playing the, he's playing, he's playing the audience. And as a great artist, that's what he has to do. I, in a way, I don't know Bob Dylan. I mean, I'd like to one day, you know, he's going to be 80, so I don't know. But, <laughs> I mean, in a way, I feel, I understand why he does what he does he's he hasn't ever changed you know and oh this is funny funny bob dylan clip from rolling thunder review i gotta watch this next mm, this is uh this is funny oh he can't because of the music i don't i don't want bob I, I don't think anyone wants bob to come after them okay is it here here it is traditional review but it was in the uh traditional um form of uh, a review that's i'll call it bullshit you know I, i'm trying to get to the to the, to the core thing to the core of what this rolling thunder thing is all about and i don't have a clue because it's not it's about nothing it's a, it's just something that happened 40 years ago well, we and that's the truth of it. Why don't we go down that road? Okay, we can. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right, let's go. I don't remember a thing about Rolling Thunder. Okay. I mean, it, it happened so long ago, I wasn't even born. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, so what do you want to know? And My God, he makes me smile when he... You know, he just delivers it. He, you know, if you look at his face, yeah, he's older, but you could still see that young Bob Dylan, you know, when the reporters are trying to ambush him and he's like, are you, re do you read the magazine? Well, you know, you said this about me and he is not having it. He is not having it. There is a very poignant moment in the, the source where Allen Ginsberg and Bob are, I think they were at Kerouac's grave. Or, ah, here it is. Here it is. Oh, wait. Let's see. Um, okay, here we go. This is, this is in the beat. The source, I mean. If I can find the clip. Let's see if Paul Vineyard's for Heath. So, that's what's going to happen to you? <laughs> no, I want to be in an unmarked grave. Uh, I laid a copy of how um, Baudelaire's grave. Uh, the pious woman washes um, Jesus' face. Simon And, you know, they're standing at Kerouac's grave, and Allen Ginsberg kind of looks around, and he looks at Bob, and he says, this is what's going to happen to you and, and Bob Dylan without missing that beat. No. I'm going to be put in an unmarked grave. I believe that shit. Oh, I so believe it. 
Ah, the beats, the beats, the beats. And I can understand why some people don't like Kerouac. I can under he kind of yeah, yeah. I can I can understand. And there's women beats and there's male beats and there's so much going on. Oh, here's where they mention the wild one. Here we go, baby. Was vaguely planning and never taking off. I left with my canvas bag and took off for the Pacific Ocean. The whole nation was tilting westward. That's Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Been stirred for the Second World War, and it hadn't settled down yet. Somewhere along the line, I knew there'd be girls, visions, everything. Somewhere along the line. That's a scene from Pearl. The Wild One. There's just nothing like being out. Ken uh, Kesey. Get outside. Something happens to you, and when you're traveling through outside, the wind goes over the top of your head, and you get a static charge. You'll see people with their hair standing on end like this who've been driving a long time, and their eyes kind of wild. It's a high. That's Ken Kesey who wrote "One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest," directed by Milaj Foreman. Gravity of our imagination and poetics. Gary Snyder. Off the East Coast and came out into these grasslands. There was the expansion of a heart to learn and enjoy all of America. Uh, and that included, as you see in Jack's work and in Ellen's work, uh, the lives and minds of ordinary people. We arrived at Council Bluffs at dawn. All winter I've been reading the great wagon parties that held council there. And of course, now it was only cute suburban cottages all laid out. In the Johnny Depp, reading Jack Kerouac. Omaha, and by God, the first cowboy I saw in a 10-gallon hat in Texas boots. Looked like any beat character the brick wall dawns of the East, except for the ghetto. America, this is quite serious. America, this is the impression I get from looking in the television set. America, is this correct? <laughs> That's Ginberg analyzing America. Interior. Burrows. Uh, subdivision antenna of television to the meaningless sky. In life-proof houses, they hover over the young. Sop up a little of what they shut out. Only the young bring anything in, and they are not young very long. Just ahead, over the rolling wheat fields, all gold beneath the distant snows of Estes, I'd be seeing old Denver at last. There were smokestacks, smoke. Yeah, and that's where, you know, you talk about, okay, you got Michael McClure, you know, everyone arriving in San Francisco. And uh, they didn't go back home. It was a little like after any war, and it, uh, it was certainly like after the Civil War. When Lawrence Ferlinghetti, City Light Books in San Francisco. In San Francisco. He was a, a carpetbagger in the way, just like the East Coast Beats were all carpetbaggers, including myself. We were in the tradition of dissidents. So we started City Lights. The idea was to create a literary meeting place. There was a already cultivated a San Francisco Renaissance. There always was a anarchist, pacifist, anti-Stalinist, Allen Ginsberg, literary, bohemian, anti-war circle. People who want to be themselves, basically, 
people who want to remain. Jack Micheline. People who don't want to play the game. People who want to be whatever they are. And that manifested itself in literature and painting, in uh, bohemian parties, poetry readings. I would go into a macho bar and jump on the pool table and read some poems. Now, either I got beat up or I made $50. Most of the times I made $50. It was a cold night in the big city where love is the roar and death is the beat. And I yelled like a madman at the top of my voice. Everybody sing, everybody sing. And I started to sing a song about pretty flowers. And then the men in their white coats came with their jackets. And I told them to sing also. Let's sing a song. Let's sing a song. And he took me away, away, away from the roar and the beat. The beat, the beat, they sing a song. Like, uh, man, I'm here, and I mean, I've met a swinging group. You know, oh, there's Michael McClure, who influenced Mr. Jim Morrison. Oh, here, they're talking about how. this bar that night, listening to the bird phrases, and I heard the boat out rhyming erection. When Alan read Howell, uh, we all knew that a line had been drawn in the sand. We decided that we would put our foot on that line that Alan drew. Well, I was there, and the next morning I sent a telegram to Alan Ginsberg saying, I greet you at the beginning of a great career. When do we get the manuscript? I had a conversation mm. with Rex about the next day. I said, oh, gee, I'm going to be famous in San Francisco or in North Beach. And he said, you're going to be famous from bridge to bridge. The first edition was printed in England. It was seized by the U.S. Customs in San Francisco. All during the trial, we were still selling it. But we never took the book out of the window. There were a series of trials in the late 50s that uh, liberated the word, and that meant a whole spiritual liberation after that. It's really hard to get that kind of publicity. <laughs> And so that's why I wanted to talk about the, the, the sources because of Ferlinghetti and City Lights book. And he, they all went to court because of Allen Ginsberg's howl. And we got we to gotta thank Allen Ginsberg and Ferlinghetti and also Lenny Bruce because, you know, they were saying things that you couldn't say. Remember when George Carlin got in trouble for those seven words you can't say on television? Just think Lenny Bruce got in real trouble. And so Carlin and Pryor were the beneficiaries of what the Beats and what Bruce were doing in terms of crossing that line. As Ferlinghetti said, you know, that Allen Ginsberg's poem, How crossed a line oh yeah crossed the line and it opened the you know break on through to the other side right there and jim morrison was influenced by ginsburg and kerouac and ferlinghetti and michael mcclure and even michael mcclure has said the way that jim morrison wrote those lyrics he was influenced by the poetry he was a poet first and foremost and that's why i wanted to talk to you about the the source this amazing amalgamation of poetry and influence and music and oh my goodness just culture culture you know and then 
you can also you know that's where slam poetry came from you know slam poetry was big at one point i knew a few slam poets i couldn't do it i would just write it i always felt you know when you write something if it's interesting you go back to it and then if it's you just had to write it to get it out you don't need to read it again it's a it's a vomit comet of sorts that's why i write when i started recording the show this podcast i thought well this is everything that i've ever in a way thought of you know to just do it to talk about it to get it out because at that time when i started the podcast i was very angry and i was very just kind of unloading things from the nine to five and it just got out of hand and i would sometimes let it linger on the podcast and thus i had no theme i had no course you know no path to set this um coast guard cutter uh, afloat you know i was sinking i was sinking so to do it about films and to do it about you know i mean here we're talking last night we talked about the devils which was banned at one point and here i am tonight talking about books that were banned in that wrong you should never ban art you just shouldn't art really influences whether it's good or bad there's a reason for it there there is a place in the sand that needs to be drawn outside the lines you know and so we go from last night's the devils to the source about these beat poets you know william burroughs william s burroughs was probably one of the most um transformative i mean you look at like i just mentioned al jorgensen of ministry was influenced by william s burroughs cut-ups because he would put he would basically paste words together and al jorgensen has said when he was recording in the land of rape and honey he took sounds and started cutting them up like william s burroughs would do william s burroughs was a father figure to al or to al uh, jorgensen and he has said that in fact if you watch uh, just one fix William S. Burroughs is in the video weaving his fingers in that video oh it's so amazing and so tonight I just wanted to give respect to the beat poets to give even more respect to Lawrence Ferlinghetti to Allen Ginsberg to Kerouac to William S. Burroughs to Gregory Corso and I want you to watch the source it's on DVD it's on YouTube I believe look for it the source 1999 about the beat poets okay as always unpleasant dreams <laughs>